The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast with me, your host, Austin Yoakum, and producer Marcus Sazen behind the scenes. This quote leads us to our guest today, Connor Milkey. Connor's assistant strength conditioning coach at Auburn University and was suggested to us by the powerful previous guest, Cameron Joss. Today, we talked about finding ways to add value no matter your role. And we really had an awesome conversation about making sure you're performing your job to the best of your ability, no matter where you're at. Connor also talks about his four-stage system that he works in with his athletes and how culture and, and being brilliant at the basics is the number one thing they focus on. I got a lot out of listening to Connor talk and related to a lot of his story. And I hope you guys are able to get something about it out of the perseverance that he shows and kind of the sacrifices he made to get to where he's at now. Thank you guys for listening. All right. Well, coach, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, great to be here, Austin. Appreciate you having me on. I'm excited about this. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got to the point you're at now, kind of how you got into the world of sports performance and your background a little bit? Sure. So grew up in Adams, Minnesota, small country town, kind of in the middle of nowhere. All right. I know you're a Minnesota guy as well. So we got that in common, but uh, small town, all right, not much to do. Just a lot of farming, a lot of working on the farm, a lot of, uh, you know, in the field, milking cows every single day. And then on the side, when you had a little bit of free time playing baseball, playing football, you know, basketball, if you can get in the gym. So that was my background. That was my intro to sports on the weekends. Me and my dad, we would go, we'd play basketball, we'd play baseball, we'd play football, like I already said, and we would compete. So I fell in love with the aspect of competition at a very young age, probably five, six years old, you know, as, as far back as I can remember. We'd play pig um, on the court and he would never let me win, right? We would race. I used to think I was fast when I was a kid. We'd race. He would beat me every single time. I remember it like it was yesterday, the day I finally beat him. Um, I don't know exactly how old I was, but I was maybe 11 or 12 and I beat him. And it was life changing. I was so excited and so happy. I thought I made it, right? And you know what's ironic? When I was about 11, 12, that's maybe a year or two before that is when I started training. Um, and so that's pretty young, you know, getting into training at a young age. Now I wasn't training, you know, like the proper way or like Mike Boyle, the way he trains young athletes, I was bodybuilding with my dad. He would take me to the gym. Like I said, on the weekends, we would go to the roster athletic club in roster, Minnesota. And we would, we'd start off, we would train in the gym. He would take me through his workout split, which again, is not ideal. So for people listening, like that doesn't mean you should, if you're uh, a parent, you shouldn't necessarily be taking your kids through bodybuilding splits, but we would go in there. And I think it's just the aspect of being with him, you know, training, pushing yourself, uh, challenging yourself. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, so I was in there bodybuilding with him, you know, doing, doing high reps, high volume machines, leg press was my thing. You know, I would try and max out on that leg press and, uh, was able to finally get it up to like all the weight on there when I was 13 or 14. So my legs were pretty strong. And, uh, so just got a lot of confidence from that. You know, I was, I was getting a lot of confidence from that and also was seeing my athletic performance improve in the small sports that I was playing, you know, uh, little league baseball, traveling baseball teams. Uh, we had uh, basketball teams, you know, that we play in. I'm jumping higher. I'm running faster. And then uh, also on the football field, you know, we're, we're going undefeated in fifth and sixth grade. And, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing like it, you know, the memories and the time that you're having, how much fun that is. So, like I said, man, I got my start with my dad on the weekends training. And then when we were done, we'd go get a huge breakfast. 
you know, he would uh, emphasize nutrition and how it's important to recover. And that principle still applies today, right? You know, you got to get that recovery because you can train all day. If you don't eat and recover those muscles, you know, they're going to start breaking down and everything you did was for nothing. So he was instilling some principles. I don't know how much he truly knew how educated he was, but uh, he got me started at a young age. So that was my start. Um, from there, what else did you say exactly? You're saying what, uh, kind of how I got here. Yeah. Kind of just your, your journey, how you, how you took these, these original principles that you mentioned and kind of took it to the strength coach you are today and that, that journey in the process to that point. Yeah. So that was the start, the journey itself. Um, from there playing high school sports, um, some things happened. I had uh, some major injuries and wasn't able to play most of the sports that I loved. So I uh, blew my knee out as a sophomore in high school. Um, had, had a major surgery rehab, got all the way to the baseball season and, uh, pushed it, pushed it to the limit. My junior year, I was, I wasn't fully healthy, but I wanted to play anyway, you know, to try and get recruited for college and, uh, get some stats. Junior year is a big year, right? Um, blew it out again. Um, so rehabbed all the way again. So I missed my senior year of football, missed my senior year of basketball, um, got to baseball, played a little bit, wasn't full health, but, uh, was good enough to, you know, kind of play and, uh, did all right. From there, I went to college at the University of Minnesota. I decided to stay uh, in Minnesota. I, want, I knew being from a small town on a, on a dairy farm that I wanted to go somewhere big. I wanted something different. Um, nothing against the farm. It made me who I am today. I love it. Um, I love going back and visiting, but I knew I did not want to do that for the rest of my life. I saw just, you know, my parents, the stress that it creates, the long hours, the 365 year round every single day. Like on Christmas Day, you're working 5 a.m. You're milking cows, 4 p.m. You're milking cows. It didn't matter what the day was. You're working. Right. And again, there's nothing against it, but I knew I wanted something different. You know, I wanted to set myself up for something different. Um, and that wasn't my passion. Cows, crops, the farm tractors. I was in love with sports. I wanted to play sports. I wanted to be involved in that somehow. And I was, in, I was, you know, frankly, I was in love with training. I loved everything about that. It was just a different path. So I got away from there. I went to the big city, Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, went there to try and play football. You know, I was just getting healthy. You know, again, I was rehabbing from all those surgeries I had told you about those surgeries set me back a little bit, um, with my knee just because they were back to back to back. So I had a lot of muscle atrophy. I had a lot of damage done to cartilage and obviously the ligaments. Once you do it once, you know, your, your chance of doing it again is much greater. So I, uh, you know, I just rehabbed, I started uh, studying as much as I could and, like I said, I was getting healthier. So I went into the football facility and I had to get my foot in the door. So I started, um, as an equipment manager, I had a friend that worked on the equipment staff. He was a senior, he was from my hometown. Um, and he set me up there. So I got in there as an equipment manager and I was like, this is how I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to work my butt off and it's going to give me access to the weight room facility. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to meet coaches, talk with them. Who knows? Maybe I'll have a chance to walk on here and play some ball. If I can get healthy, of course. So I go into the weight room facility as a equipment manager, ask them if I can use it, get to know the strength coaches a little bit. And they were all, they were all about it. They were awesome. They said, just, you know, we really appreciate you asking first. Like that was one of the big things, you know, the respect of asking, uh, cause some people just think they're entitled to come in there and do whatever they want, uh, mess around the weights and then they're getting in trouble doing stuff wrong or leaving stuff out. So that was one thing. I think they just appreciated that, uh, you know, that aspect of coming to them first and asking for, you know, if it was okay. And then from there, you know, the, the relationship just grew with that staff that was there. We, uh, we would hang out and we would train together. Um, they saw something in me, I believe, um, a passion for training, a passion for growing. Um, 
and for trying to get better. Like I, like I said, when I was young, maybe uh, nine, 10, 11 years old, I was training with my dad and I loved everything about it. I loved the feeling of discomfort and growing muscles. I loved how it made me a better player on the field and how I could see those improvements. I loved eating that big breakfast afterwards. So I was already hooked on training. And then even in high school, you know, uh, we talked earlier about this, uh, in the, you know, in the past about Joe DeFranco. I, uh, I started seeing some of his videos and doing his training plans when I was in high school. And also when I was going through these knee rehabs, you know, I knew uh, nothing against the people that did my rehab back 10, 11 years ago, but I knew I was doing something wrong. Like I wasn't doing it the exact right way. And things have changed a lot since then. So, you know, just doing machine weights, you know, just sitting on a bike, uh, doing stretching and mobility. Like there was just more important things that could help me recover better, but I didn't know what it was. I felt it though when I started doing some of DeFranco's stuff, I was feeling the power and the explosiveness coming, doing lower volume training, um, jumping, sprinting. Like I had no sprinting background. I was, I was kind of buff and strong, but I was slow. Um, just because I had never really trained my speed. I had never been coached on it. And maybe that's from being in a small town and uh, just people not knowing you know, how to train speed. But when I uh, got into the Joe DeFranco stuff and seeing Brian Cushion training in those videos, me and my best friend, David Chitanis at the time, we started just, we started grinding in the gym and doing it to a T, you know, Westside for Skinny Bastards. And we were seeing the results. And then the rest of my, you know, friends, teammates, they saw what was going on and they're over there doing uh, bigger, faster, stronger. And they're like, what are you guys doing? That looks fun. You know, what, what are those boards on your chest with bench? What are these chains? What are those for? You know, what are they, why are you doing box jumps? They didn't know anything about it. And they were like, can we do that? So they started doing it, seeing the results for, you know, we're leading workouts in the gym. Uh, and it's all Joe DeFranco stuff. So that was a big influence on me just seeing a different side of training. But back then also, like I always wanted to be good at Olympic lifting and do cleans and snatches, but I didn't know how to do a technique and no one was there to teach me. So, um, this is like when YouTube's just getting out too, I probably could have learned then, but Anyways, I couldn't do it for the life of me. So I go into Minnesota with that background of Joe DeFranco, a um, bunch of knee injuries, uh, an absolute love and passion for football and sports. Um, but I just didn't really know what the next step was. I knew I wanted to get involved somehow and try and get my foot in the door and see where it would take me. From there, man, I got in uh, as equipment manager, like I said, started training with the athletic performance staff, started to develop that relationship, started to learn from them started to learn the science behind strength training, stuff I had no clue on. Started to know the anatomy. You know, I knew about the knee from all the surgeries, but I didn't know the anatomy about anything else. And so just really intelligent, smart, great coaches there. Coach Klein was our head strength coach with uh, Coach Kill as our head coach at Minnesota. Uh, Dustin Perry was my guy. He, I would go to him, you know, and I would ask him all my questions. He had, you know, he had an answer for everything, you know, and then also we would train together every day. And he would write up programs, you know, not the team's program, but different programs. And I was like his, you know, guinea pig. He would experiment on me with stuff. And I loved every second of it, man. I just, I soaked it up. I soaked it up. Uh, Tyler Yearby was there. He was so smart, man. He, uh, sometimes I would, I would be like, man, you have to tell me what that word means. <laughs> Cause he would use some big words, but, uh, I just, you know, I saw him, Chad Pearson, Shay Thompson was great with the sports science and technology. And I just, I loved being around those guys. And once I learned that this is a job, this is a career as a strength coach, I could, I just started to visualize and see myself doing this in the future. You know, when I was younger, I didn't ever plan on being a coach or being a strength coach. I planned on being an athlete. It was like no backup plan. I didn't know what it was. You know, when I had all those knee surgeries, like maybe I'll be an orthopedic surgeon. You know, I've got a lot of experience with all these dang surgeries. It'd be a good way to help people, you know, give back, make good money, be involved in sports. Um, but when I saw that, 
strength and conditioning was a profession and a job I was like, this is something I want to do. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years, but I could see myself doing this for sure. So, like I said, I uh, hung around with those guys as much as possible. Um, Dustin helped set me up with an internship down in Oklahoma with a coach named Josh Heupel. He was the offensive coordinator for the Oklahoma Sooners. And uh, now he's at UCF as the head, uh, head ball coach. But anyways, he set me up with him because he had worked down there in the past and it was a camp. So I would work these camps in the summer through the months of May through June. So I went down there and didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I just knew that Dustin told me, uh, this is going to be amazing experience. It's going to be, you know, invaluable for your coaching experience, being able to work with young athletes, high school athletes, um, get to run, you know, kind of run your own show, like implement a plan and a program, um, think on your feet. Um, and just, I just remember them saying, if you can coach, you know, a middle schooler or a young kid, you can coach anybody. Right and how much it was going to help me. So I went down there, I took his advice and uh, helped out. We traveled all around. We worked every single day, June through July, traveling around Oklahoma, went to Las Vegas, went down to Dallas, Texas for a couple of weeks. And we were all around um, and I was able to network and meet so many great coaches and learn from them um, because they, I'm not the only coach they brought in. You know, They brought in coaches from all around the country to do this as a way to kind of give back and, and help out these young kids in the area. So that was really great. It was an amazing experience. I learned a ton there. I came back to Minnesota. I was just a student. I had already interned with Minnesota. They took me through their internship uh, program. Like I said, with those coaches, they taught me so much, but now I had experience actually kind of running my own show, you know, implementing a plan and taking kids through, through workouts, you know, kind of structuring something. And then uh, just the communication aspect, it wasn't just coaching. It was giving speeches on nutrition. It was given uh, speeches on lifestyle habits and making the right choices and talking to parents. And so that was just really good experience, you know? And then uh, when I got back to Minnesota, I had finished early because I was no longer playing football. Like I said, it didn't work out for me. Um, so I was able to load up on classes. I went all in on kinesiology. Like I said, when I learned about being a strength coach and uh, I was going to go after it. So when I graduated early, I had applied all over the place for GA spots that, you know, the coach that told me that's the next step. And, uh, nobody was, you know, nobody had anything for me, but what they were offering was internships. So I picked a school, I, I picked Washington. They had, they had reached out to me and that's a whole different story, kind of unrelated to strength and conditioning, but I had interned with the Seattle Seahawks as well. Right after I had finished up at Oklahoma, I went there for the month of July. I guess it was most of the month of August. I think I came back after the last preseason game, but I went out to Seattle and interned and loved everything about Seattle, loved everything about the Seahawks organization. And this is before they got good, right? So I went out there just kind of, you know, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I think it'll be a good experience, you know, just go out to the West Coast and see what's up. And uh, who knows, you know, I, I'm definitely gonna make some money and be able to pay for pay for my rent and pay for school. So that was one of the big things about it. But uh, it was, that was life changing in itself. So I went out there uh, two summers in a row and, uh, was exposed to Pete Carroll. Uh, my first year there, we had quarterback Travaris Johnson or Travaris Jackson. We had, um, you know, Marshawn Lynch and I knew nobody else. I didn't know anybody on the team. I went out there. I just knew those two <laughs> Pete Carroll, T Jack and Marshawn Lynch, right? Beast mode. I got out there and I instantly saw something special. Um, Pete Carroll, unbelievable coach, like everything he talks about, um, always compete, right? Positive energy being positive, you know, enthusiastic, optimist, eternal optimist. He lives it. And it was incredible seeing firsthand. And me already, like I said, I'm a competitor. I love competing. I got that at a young age with my dad. 
it was just amazing being in that environment with those coaches. And I think a lot of that rubbed off on me. And that's kind of what shapes my philosophy now as a strength coach with competition. And uh, Pete Carroll had a huge influence on me. Also, Russell Wilson came in as a young rookie. You know, he was drafted like, I don't remember exactly, third or fourth round maybe, but he came in there and was a third string quarterback. And I uh, learned a lot from him as well. So just invaluable experience, opportunity to see the top of the top elite players, coaches, um, before they were who they are, before Russell Wilson was the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Um, Marshawn was a beast already. Everybody knew about Marshawn and the skills and uh, all that stuff. Um, but nobody knew about Richard Sherman. He was a no-name player at the time. Earl Thomas, he had, he, you know, he had made his name for himself at Texas. Cam Chancellor was a good player already, but they weren't all pro players. So I was able to see those guys firsthand in action and the work ethic you know, the daily discipline that they took and the approach to life that they took in their training, the way the coaches coached that team and how they became who they are. So that was just, it was unbelievable, man. It was a first class uh, coaching experience. And I wasn't even coaching. I was there just as a training camp intern, like I said, trying to make some money for college and maybe meet some coaches for the future. Right. So that was unbelievable. Came back to Minnesota, um, was going to go back to Washington and try and intern with the Huskies. Their coaching staff all went to USC. So that internship kind of fell through. There was no longer there. And so I had to find something else. And so I was scrambling. I reached out to everybody I knew, um, that were at different schools. I, uh, reached out to everybody that, you know, had GAs open and asked, Hey, can I come down there and intern for free? You know? Um, and if possible, will there be a GA in the future? One of the first schools I reached out to was Auburn. And I reached out to my buddy who got me the equipment job at Minnesota. His name is Drew Bull, one of my closest friends to this day. And he was down there as an assistant equipment manager. I reached out to him. I said, hey, can you get me the um, strength coach information at Auburn, who was Ryan Russell at the time? This is their first year with Coach Malzahn, 2013. And he's like, oh, hey, what's up? Co or he's like, what's up, Connor? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm actually going to work out here in like one minute. What should I do? You know, because he knew I was, I love training. He was like, let me get a program from you quick. So uh, I told him some stuff that I was doing and told me to go get after it. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to coach Russell when I get down there. I'm heading down right now. This is, um, this is like early December or maybe two or three weeks into December when we're at our bowl game uh, when I was at Minnesota. So we're down in Houston at the time. He goes down there and talks to coach Russell. He calls me back and says, Hey, coach Russell said, um, they're looking for an intern and he's going to give you a call in a minute. So I was like, okay, cool. So coach Russell calls me and this is before the national championship, um, before they go play Florida state. Right. And he's like, Hey man, yeah, we're about to do the national championship, but, um, you know, we're looking for an intern, uh, drew, he's a great guy. He said that you would love to come down here and that he vouched for you. I'd like to get to know you a little bit. So he asked me a few questions and we talked, he's like, let me uh, have my assistant call you and talk too. So then Jeff Jones, uh, assistant at Auburn at the time, Again, amazing coach, great person, Iowa boy from almost the same area as me. We had that in common, um, but uh, we talked a little bit and it was a great conversation. Coach Russell called me back and he said, hey, we'd like to get you back here uh, as soon as possible. So I drove down there the next day, loaded up my car with just a couple of things, you know, clothes and stuff. And I was in Auburn as an intern. I was unpaid intern, just working for free, getting experience. And uh, it was different. You know, it wasn't Minnesota anymore. We got down there and the athletes were different, man. The culture was different. The environment was different. The facilities were different. Everything about it was different. And I loved it. You know, it was, I think that's how you grow, man. You gotta, you gotta study different things. You gotta be exposed to different environments. I think that's how you grow as a coach. Cause, um, for me, I didn't have a great speed background. I didn't, 
I wasn't exposed to a lot of um, speed training growing up, like I said already. Um, and then at Minnesota, probably just ignorance on my part. I was selfish and focused on myself, my own training. Like I said, I wanted to be a football player. I was focused on playing, getting healthy and finding a way on the field. So I was in there training with those coaches and I interned as well, but I was more focused on my own training at the time. And I could have definitely asked better questions to their coaches, learned about speed training, learned how to implement it, how to design programs um, at that time. But when I got to Auburn, man, I was exposed to something special. Coach Jones and Coach Russell, um, the way they were training the guys was unbelievable. And Coach Jones uh, in particular, Jeff Jones, he was running the pro day guys. And so after, you know, coming off the national championship, a lot of guys went different places. They went to the Exoses, uh, the Bomberitos down in South Florida, um, different places. But we had a great group of guys that stayed back in Auburn and trained because of the respect they had for Coach Russell and the program he implemented. So I was able to help out with those guys, the pro day guys. And I was seeing things that I had never seen before when it came to speed training, when it came to pre-training prep, athletic performance preparation, you know, even in the weight room a little bit. I was seeing things I had never seen before and I was learning a ton. So what I did, you know, being a junkie for the, uh, for the weight room and uh, just always trying to learn and get better physically myself. Like I said, I was, you know, always kind of focused on my own training growing up. Now I knew I wanted to be a strength coach. So I had to learn. Uh, these new methods. So I started doing the program myself, the pro day guys program. And so uh, I wasn't doing it with the guys, but I would do it, you know, late at night after workouts, I would, you know, coach Russell is awesome. He let me stay back, you know, and read, I was studying for this uh, um, NSCA CSCS at the time. So I'll read my uh, NSCA book a little bit and then I would go train and I would train for like an hour or two. I would go over the pro day guys workout. Um, and I'm doing everything that I saw coach Jones coaching those guys up on. And I'll tell you what, man, I saw some, crazy improvements in my speed, my power explosiveness, just like I told you when I was in high school and I was exposed to some of Joe DeFranco stuff. So that was really eye opening at the time as a young coach, just getting his foot in the door. Like I, I was learning how to do things the right way. When I got to Auburn, I knew I wanted to be around it. I wanted to stay there. They had a GA spot open up and uh, coach Russell, I was very fortunate that he offered it to me. I took it in a heartbeat, you know, you know, I had looked at maybe going to GA somewhere else. Um, before that job had even opened. And I turned down a couple of different spots just because I knew I wanted to stay in Auburn if the opportunity presented itself. And I had a feeling that it might. So I turned down some and just waited out, took a chance and uh, it stayed at Auburn working for free. And it all worked out really well because uh, man, the GA program was great. I continued to learn from this amazing staff and coach Russell being the great leader he is. And then uh, when I graduated from my GA spot, again, I don't know how I get so lucky, but coach Russell offered me a full-time spot here at Auburn. And it, it wasn't even open. There wasn't even a full-time spot, but coach Jones, the guy I told you about one of my biggest mentors in life, he had decided not to get out of the profession, but to move back to Iowa and go to a D three school as a head strength coach so that he could kind of get closer to family, start, uh, start his own family with his wife, Rachel. And so that spot opened up. There was an assistant spot at Auburn right at the perfect time that I had graduated because, you know, that was a moment that was kind of a turning point. I didn't know if I was going to, you know, just take any job that I could get to, you know, start making money and whether it was in the private sector or personal training or um, go back to being an intern, like that would have been tough, but I was willing to do it if I had to. And then that opened up and it was just, you know, things have been going great ever since. So I've been an assistant at Auburn now for four years. Uh, working with the same staff. We've, uh, we have a lot of chemistry as a staff. I'm working with a great man. Uh, like I said, coach Russell, he's our leader, sets the tone, 
you know, leads by example every single day. So consistent. One of the most consistent individuals I know. Anthony Kinsey is an assistant. We GA together here at Auburn. So we've been together for seven years. Um, just an incredible communicator. Uh, really great at relating to players. Ryan Tatum is so smart. He's the other assistant. He's been with us for seven years as well. Came from NC State before. Also played football at Coach Russell. And uh, I'll tell you what, that guy, you might have to get him on the podcast too. He's so smart. Like he knows everything. Reads every single book that's ever been made. Probably owns every single book that's ever been made when it comes to athletic performance and strength and conditioning. He's an Excel guru. Like if you need a, a, a program template, he would put it together for you. And it would be top-notch first class and then um we had we've had a few other assistants come and go but uh right now we have another assistant um andrew williams former player really hard worker um, one of our favorite players in the past and he's doing a great job he just got here in january um so he's one of our other assistants and we share an office together uh, right now we're not because of the quarantine and covid stuff but just an awesome guy he's an amazing motivator he's extremely passionate about strength and conditioning and then uh, we have uh, GA, Coach Harbin, and an intern, CJ Tolbert. And both those guys do an incredible job of just finding things, finding things to do, finding ways to contribute. And they ask great questions. They, uh, you know, I see great potential out of them, just the way that they're passionate about learning and becoming a coach. So what I'm getting at here is Auburn is, has been special to me. And all those guys I just told you about, they're great human beings. They're great coaches. And I'm learning from them every day still. They're rubbing off on me. And that's my background, man. That's my background athletic performance. I, I freaking love that. And I think there's so much to take from it. And then the number one thing that I was writing down continually is almost like the, the ability to sacrifice, like kind of what you want in the moment for kind of that long-term plan and being able to in the moment, because a lot of these opportunities, like if let's say you had gone to Minnesota and the equipment manager, then that vouched for you and got you that job, he vouched for you, got you the job, you're set up. And then you slacked off at that job or you didn't do it. Like, how much that would have derailed, like what you're doing now, how it got you, your foot in your door to where you're at and kind of talking about taking advantage of the opportunity when it presents itself. Cause like you said, it's not about really controlling the future. You never know when that opportunity is going to be there. It's about taking advantage of where you're at now, soaking up all the information that you can, impressing as many people as you can. And then hopefully in the long term, that GA spot pops up, that, that long-term full-time position pops up and then you're ready for it because you have done what you needed to do in the moment. Yeah. Um, to add to that, I would say that's one of the biggest um, things that helped me along the path is not going in and trying to you know, show off, trying to prove yourself, but just finding ways to add value. When I was at Minnesota, like I already said, I was kind of selfish and I was focused on my own training. I was, you know, quite frankly, taking advantage of the free training from these you know, first class coaches. And when I probably should have been asking great questions and spending more time in the office studying, but instead I was out there on the weight room floor, you know, taking advantage of these amazing programs that they were writing and training. And, but at the same time, you know, I had aspirations to, you know, get back on the field and play. So there's a little bit of that. But uh, when I got to Auburn, I knew I wanted to be a coach. I knew I was going in all in on it. You know, the football days were over um, or the, the chasing the dream was over. I knew that that's, that's a whole different story. But I had, you know, that that moment and through talks with with uh, with God and praying long prayers um, that I knew that there was something else that he had planned for me. And I thought that my calling was to be a coach. So I went all in on it. When I got to Auburn, it was no longer about training. It was about adding value. I was an intern, right? I'm not, you know, a full-time assistant coach. I have different responsibilities. My job is to find ways to make the assistants and our head strength coaches job easier. It's finding ways to help the players, right? 
they have the expertise, they have the knowledge that I don't have. So their responsibilities are totally different. Me, on the other hand, what can I do? I can find ways to help by setting up, right? I can um, learn, you know, I can get certifications and study. I can read all the books that our assistants have already read and then start implementing them into my life. So the best thing that I can give as far as advice goes, wherever you are, try and add value, look for ways to contribute and help make things easier for the assistants and to help the players. You know, it's like for the players um, that I was working with, I found ways to go over to um, our dining hall and just meet with them, get to know them better and help them with their nutrition, helping them build plates. We have a full-time dietitian and she's over there helping, but there's a lot of athletes on a football team, you know? So one, two people can only do so much. So I'm over there helping out as a strength coach and we already have good relationships because we see each other every day in the weight room. So it's just, it's just building on that relationship. And that's, what's most important, right? Cause that's how you're going to make the most influence and the most impact as a coach. So I would go over there and I would meet with players. You know, I go over there at night, eat dinner with them. I go over there and eat breakfast. Um, and you know, some coaches, they got family, so they can't go over there for dinner. Or if they do, you know, they're taken away from their family and me, I'm an intern. I'm going to take advantage of, you know, this point in life. And I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go and take my GA check. And I'm going to spend it on precision nutrition certification and learn as much as I can about nutrition to become a better coach. That way I can help the players when I'm over at the wellness center, make good choices. Um, you know, just little things like that, find ways to add value. doesn't matter where you're at. And even as an assistant now, I'm still trying to find ways to add value. So, um, that's learning. That's just growing as a coach. It's reading everything you can. Um, whatever my responsibility is right now, I have a huge responsibility, uh, with sports science and data tracking. And that's not my background. You know, um, I'm not a statistics guy. Um, I'm not a scientist by any means. My passion is coaching and influencing, uh, the athletes, helping them achieve their goals. I love being on the floor, coaching hands-on. I love motivating the athletes. I'm not a rah-rah coach. You know, I don't, don't claim to be that. Um, you know, we're focused on being, you know, technique first, um, coaching the athlete, everything like that. But at the same time, like, I got to make sure that I'm educated a little bit in the sports science realm. So I'm studying every and every book I can, asking the right coaches questions there. Um, and then that way I can become a better coach when it comes to testing athletes on the force plate when we're tracking them on the field with GPSs, um, just to, you, you got to educate yourself. So I had value that way, I guess, in the, in the uh, wellness center, uh, helping them make plates, you know, helping them make choices with nutrition. And then also as an intern, I guess another thing that I was able to do was extra work, overtime work, coming in after hours, you know, coming in on off days, getting that extra work with the guys that need to gain weight, you know, making them shakes, making them protein shakes and getting a big workout in, right adding, uh, you know, some extra volume, upper body, you know, putting on some mass. And then the weight loss guys, we got guys that need to lose weight, taking them through conditioning workouts, taking them through some extra work there where they're getting their heart rate elevated, burning fat. And I'm doing it with them. You know, I think that shows a lot um, that you care about them, you know, and that, you know, maybe I'm not doing it with them every time, but if like they need some extra motivation, I'm going to jump in there and, you know, just show them that I care and that I'm here for them. So any way that you can add value as a coach, I mean, you got to be looking for it. That's what we're here for. It's not about us. Yeah, you're getting me fired up over here, coach. That, that, that's <laughs> awesome. Our, 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 our head football coach is um, one of his best sayings. One of the, my favorite sayings from him is doing your job to the best of your ability. And he talks about how even if you're a scout team player, the seventh string, like you have a role to make that starter a, a good player. And then when your opportunity presents itself, you're going to be ready. But like you said, like it, it applies to all aspects of your life. And that's the whole point is to take that saying and apply it to your life because you'll see, you'll see a lot of people that, They'll, they'll look at you where you're at right now and they'll see the things that you're doing right now, but they don't see the times that you were 
basically eating shit. Like you were doing the tough stuff. You were doing the intern stuff. You were doing the things that other people weren't willing to do. They had that too big of an ego to, to take a step back and realize, Hey, this is my role right now. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And that, that like, you're getting me fired up over this because that, that, that's how it needs to be done. That's how you move forward in life in any aspect, no matter where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. And I w- kind of want to transition this now to the sports performance realm. And we, we're taking your whole background of all these places you've learned, all these opportunities that you take, took advantage of and how you apply that now to your program, like the, the program that you're trying to build out with your athletes and what you really think a high performance program is and how you have grabbed upon other aspects of other high performance programs to kind of make it your own to help Auburn football go forward. Yeah. So, uh, first off, I'd like to recognize one of the coaches out there, Dustin Perry. Like I said, he was at Minnesota. He's at San Francisco right now. And their high performance director, Ben Peterson, uh, co-wrote uh, Triphasic with Cal Dietz, another Minnesota guy, Shay Thompson, all those guys, Aaron Hill. They're doing an incredible job from a, a program design standpoint and implementing that. Um, but it's different than what we have to do. So they're one of the people that are the, the staffs that I look at. Um, and I respect a ton like the, their model that you're, you know, you're asking about, I think it's first class. So you definitely need to look at them from an NFL standpoint. With that being said, we're not in the NFL, we're in college. So it's a little bit different, the emphasis and what uh, needs to be focused on. So uh, first thing for us, you know, is improved durability, I would say, um, from a standpoint, you, you know, that's what we're here for. We're to help the players stay healthy, you know, help them uh, mitigate injury risks and, and be able to practice and develop skill. That way they can get out there on Saturdays and, and play their game. So I think that's probably the most important performance training goal from a standpoint there. You know, we're helping them improve their deficiencies with overtime work, corrective exercises, um, training in the weight room. It's all about being brilliant at the basics first, you know, being brilliant at the basics, full range of motion, great technique. And then, uh, you know, that's, that's the stuff that's going to really help the guys, you know, stay healthy. We don't have to be numbers driven. We don't have to try and set PRs when they're young. Like let's work our way up we're slow cooking them. You know, you hear this stuff, a lot of people speak on it. Right. But so that's number one, we want to improve all aspects of athletic performance as well. So strength, power, speed, you know, strength coaches, athletic performance coaches, we're here to train those qualities. So we're going to make them the best athlete they can possibly be. All right. And then the last thing I would say, uh, if, if you're looking for three would be uh, improved mindset, you know, just to help the guys instill confidence in them, help them, uh, on the, on that side of things, become the best athlete they can be. There's a saying that coach Russell says all the time and uh, has stuck with me is psychology trumps physiology, you know, so we're improving their mindset. We're instilling confidence when we're doing hard, tough conditioning uh, sessions, or when the guys are feeling tired, you won't see guys bending over, you know, maybe if they want to, the other players will jump on them and let them know. All right. Or we'll let them know, Hey, we are not bending over. We're not looking like we're dying. We're not looking like we're tired because at the end of the day, psychology trumps physiology. If you're doing that on the field, I don't know about you, but if I'm the other team, I'm looking at my chops. I'm going after that guy. Right. So we're still in that mindset, you know, of competitive excellence, being the best you can be at every single exercise, every single drill, you know, we're we're locked in, we're engaged um, in everything we're doing. We're improving that uh, focus in them. Like, I think all those qualities are really important. So, I mean, those are like, those are the big components of the athletic performance program. And then going from there, you know, we want to be, like I said, brilliant at the basics. What are the basics? things that you can control attitude effort. So we're training those when they come here. One of the things, you know, down here at Auburn is we have guys that are so talented and so elite, like we're getting some high level recruits. And so they're already really athletic and, you know, fast and strong. They can get better at that, but where can we make the biggest change with them? 
um, that's going to make them the best athlete, the best person they could possibly be. Maybe it's nutrition and body comp that's going to make them improve their best athletic, uh, you know, improve their athletic performance the best. Or, you know, maybe it's their attitude. Maybe it's instilling daily disciplines that they haven't been exposed to. You know, for me, it's, it's easy. You know, I was grew up on a dairy farm. I had no choice but to get up every single morning at 4.30. Like, I'm used to it. But some kids, you know, they're not used to that. So uh, if they got to get up for a training session, they got to be here at 6 a.m., we have to, you know, we have to instill that discipline in them. We cannot accept people being late. We have to, you know, take it very seriously. We got to um, hold them to a high standard as coaches. We're not going to let little things slip by. We're not going to let them get away with that. Um, when we're training, I already said we're not bending over. We're not showing weakness. We're, we're building up that mindset. So anything that we can do to improve the attitude, the effort of the team as coach staff, we're going to coach it hard. And, uh, you know, that kind of leads into culture, I guess. So um, the culture is, is probably the biggest thing in the weight room. Like we set the tone for the entire team, for the entire staff. Um, we're with them the most. So it goes back to what I already said. If we're letting stuff slide, it's going to be contagious and people are going to start the other players on the team are going to think that they can do that. So as coaches, we have to set the tone. We have to nip stuff like that in the butt. We have to hold them to a higher standard. Everybody's got to be on time, right? Everybody's got to be locked in and focused. If they're not, we got to call them out. You know, we got to hold them accountable. Um, that's the discipline of every, of it. Um, so that, those are like the biggest things I would say as far as the um, overall culture and program itself. Yeah. And I love, I love the point that you mentioned of you, you're working with the Ferraris. Like you got, you guys are getting these high level recruits that are coming into you fast, strong, powerful, and good at their sport. And like you mentioned, like your job in your role is to make sure they're able to play football, like to stay durable, to work on their skill sets and mastering the basics of that. The psychology aspect is making sure if they're not locked in in your weight room session, if they're not locked in in your conditioning session, they're probably not going to be locked in in their skill session when they need to get better at their sport, when they need to get better at, what they're going to do on Saturday, what they're uh, in quotations getting paid to do, like what people are going to talk about what they're doing. And if you're letting that slide, spending as much time with them as you do, like it's, it's going to trickle down to the rest of the team. Yep, absolutely. And, and with that being said as well, like we want to, we try and live consistently. So as coaches, we want to model what we want, right? You want to be the change that you desire. So if you're not living it as a coach, if you, if you're slacking off outside of the weight room and they see that maybe you're out, uh, I don't know, partying or something, or if you don't own yourself and take care of your body, um, or if you're, you know, not disciplined, if you're not on time, stuff like that, they see that, right? If you're a rah-rah guy and you're fake energy, they're going to see right through that and they're not going to respect you. The trust is gone, right? It's all about developing relationships with these guys. That's how you make the biggest change. We've already talked about it. So you got to be real. You got to be straightforward with them. You got to be honest. Okay. And that's by, you know, the way you do that is by holding them to that high standard. You know, we try and live what we, what we preach uh, our, you know, our, in our, in our weight room, we got this, uh, model. It's about being, it's about having an elite edge. Okay. Coach Russell came up with this brilliant when it comes to the psychology component. And he takes all the freshmen through a uh, freshman curriculum and sets the tone from the first day they get here, you know, so that way the culture is not compromised. We're building that from the, from, you know, day one with these guys and, uh, everybody that's gone through it, they already know we over communicate the message. So they're holding those freshmen to a standard as well. And when you have that, when you have leaders on the team that are respected, right? And you got freshmen that are, you know, they have no choice but to buy in. If they don't, they ain't going to make it. I think that's when something special happens. So our elite edge is all about bringing energy, right? Anything, you know, nothing great happened without enthusiasm. You know, it's got to be about that passion. So you got to bring energy. All right. So that's the E in edge. You got D, details. All right. We're obsessed with the details. Everything matters. All right. Attack the day, you know, attention to detail. Attack the day with attention to detail.
And so we over communicate that message. G is grit. All right. Angela Duckworth spoke a lot about grit, passion, and perseverance, you know, and compound effect, you know, overcoming obstacles, overcoming adversity, learning from failure and mistakes, and then uh, doing something that you love. I think that's, you know, grit is one of my favorite books. I think that's kind of, that's, that it reminds me of myself, you know, just going through the adversity of uh, dislocating my knee four different times and going through extremely major surgeries and losing the ability to play football anymore. But persevering through those obstacles, it led me to a different path. It led me to being a coach, right? So I grew from it. It wasn't something that hurt me. It was something that made me better. It made me the person I am now. So grit is huge for these guys. They're going to, everybody's going to lose, right? You don't win every single game. I mean, maybe if you're at North Coast State, but you don't win every single game uh, when you're playing football. Like you're going to uh, experience injury. You're going to experience loss. It's about what you do with that. It's about how you respond to it. Okay. It's about how you respond to that loss, how you respond to those injuries. You come back stronger and it makes you stronger. Um, so grit is huge in the edge. And then, uh, E last one, emotional consistency, All right, consistency compounds and emotional consistency is probably most important because if you gotta be, you gotta be right here, you gotta be, you gotta be going forward. You gotta be straight. You can't be up one day and then be in the tank the next day. All right. There's no such thing as a high low model in life, right? There is on the training field, the way we train, but day in and day out, you don't sleep all day one day. And then the next day you go crazy. Like that's no way to live your life. So you got to be the same person day in and day out, especially as a coach, right? We already talked about that, but also as a player, you got to come in every single day, ready, focused to get after it. And you got to take your training really seriously. And that's the standard that we hold these guys to here at Auburn. And like I said, it all starts with coach Russell. You know, he lives it. We don't tolerate guys that are, you know, that are not locked in. If they're not, we're going to call them out immediately. So I think uh, that's the biggest thing from a, from an overall program component is just the culture that's been set um, and culture. I know it's like kind of a buzzword. People like to talk, everybody's like culture now and there's so many books about it, but that's the, the most special thing, you know, from me being an assistant at Auburn, that's the most special thing here to me that I've seen and that I've been able to be a part of. Yeah. And people talk about it as a buzzword, but a lot of times when they buzzword it, it's because they haven't actually felt what a culture is like, like, like the culture that the passion that you're talking about, the culture at Auburn is the same passion that I know exists at St. Thomas. And it's the same thing. We, like you say, it, it's a little bit hard to quantify like how much of difference it makes until you're a part of it until you feel what is really pushing these athletes. So like you can write down the most perfect program on the board. You can write down like this program is going to make you a better athlete. That That's all cool and dandy. But if you have a culture of athletes show up whenever they want, like athletes do whatever they want, that program means nothing. If you don't have it set up in a way, like first things first. Yep, exactly. So like I said, man, that's the biggest thing here is uh, you can, you know, the philosophy training, you can do all kinds of different training programs, but it's about how you coach it. It's about what you allow, you know, what you don't allow the technique in the weight room. Um, you know, the daily discipline being on time, the effort the athletes are given, the focus, the attention, the detail. Those are the most important things at this level, in my opinion, at college. Now, NFL may be a little different. Like these guys, uh, you talk about Ferraris, some of these guys in the NFL, I don't know what they are. They're like, they're NASCARs. <laughs> so you got to be a little more like on the philosophy side. And also like they're there for a reason. They've already gone through this program. They, they should already have developed the discipline, the daily discipline. There's a reason why they're there. Um, but at this level, and I think especially at, at like the high school level, 
if you're not coaching those things and you're just focused on the X's and O's, as, as you can say, and the, the training itself, I think you're missing a huge component. I think you're missing the biggest component. So yeah, you, you gotta, we gotta try and keep the guys healthy. That's our main responsibility. We gotta keep them durable. All right. We're improving athletic performance, all aspects. Okay. Making them the best athlete possible. But if you're not training that daily discipline, that mindset, if you're not instilling the culture, then I think you're just missing the boat. And one thing I want to, I want to dive into a little bit is, uh, is the brilliant at the basic aspect and kind of that slow cooking approach that you mentioned a lot of people talk about, but actually enforcing that when you talk about the discipline and you talk about being disciplined as a coach, because I think this is something like you get a freshman in, especially a talented freshman, you want to like throw everything at them. You want to be like, all right, let's get sweet results. And you kind of burn all your bridges with tools that you could use. You, you could probably get a ton of stuff out of that thing, uh, that athlete, that freshman 18 year old that's coming into you doing anything. They could look at a barbell and get stronger. What's kind of your approach to keeping the slow cooking mentality to where you're actually slow cooking. You're not saying you're slow cooking, but we're actually slow cooking that athlete. So when they're a senior, we actually have something to give them. We can continue to progress them. And as I think it's the rugby strength coach, we, we haven't squeezed that whole tub of toothpaste, toothpaste out of them. Yeah. So uh, as far as that goes, you know, just to kind of clarify it a little bit better, really not the basics, you know, all the things that we can control attitude, effort, right. And they're coming in, maybe they're a five-star athlete. They're great. They're strong. They're explosive, really good at football. How do they get better? Well, you get more disciplined, you get more focused when you're more focused, you're more disciplined. You're giving amazing effort that you never have given before because you weren't coached on it possibly. Well, then that's when the speed starts to come even higher. You know, that's when the strength goes up even more. But, um, so that's, that kind of answers the questions like, how do you treat those Ferraris, you know, when they come in, but, uh, for a guy that is a freshman, you know, first year we have a stage system and they're going to start off at stage zero. We got stage zero through four. And uh, it's all about progressing them and being patient as coaches because we may get guys that are, like we already talked about, extremely explosive, really talented. We're not just going to throw them into the highest level of day one, even though they are explosive. We're going to take them through uh, a stage system program. Stage zero, we're going to do basic movements. We're going to teach them a foundational movement. So um, it's kind of it's kind of fun because right now we're just doing it. You know, we just got our guys in camp on campus. We got our freshmen in and we just went through our first week of training. So uh, we took them all through an FMS performance screen just to see if there were any deficiencies lie, any uh, weaknesses. We took them through our force plate scan to see uh, also how their movement, give them a movement signature, all baseline testing, some good, some bad, right? So now we know where they're at. From there, we're taking them all through a very basic uh, training program in the weight room. It's going to be teaching them the Olympic lifts of snatch and clean. We'll start from the uh, we'll start from the top down, you know, work in our positions. We got position one at the hip, position two above the knee, position three below the knee. And then eventually, like, you know, long ways away, we'll get to the ground doing a full power clean, right? And or snatch, um, whatever it may be. In the weight room, we're doing a lot of basic body weight movements, push-ups, ring rows. We're doing chin-ups and we're training them through full range of motion. We're teaching our technique. And I've, I know I keep over, I keep saying it, but uh, we're holding them to that standard of perfect technique. We want to be brilliant at the basics. We're not jumping in and no chains and bands. We're not doing any crazy stuff like that. We're going to be great at the basics and then we'll progress. So we take everybody through it, make sure they're all on the same page of what we expect, you know, what we don't expect here at Auburn and what we, what we won't uh, tolerate. Um, we'll take them through front squats. 
we will take them through, um, like I said, all the basic movements from there. As they go through the program, they'll move into stage one, which is our freshman in-season program. Uh, we call it our war dogs. They train a little bit extra volume during the season because they may not be playing. Um, and so the war dog program is great. They start off first thing in the morning. Uh, they're coming out there. They may be able to do a little bit of speed work where like some of the guys uh, that are actually playing and have to practice on those Tuesdays, they're not, we're not going to do a lot of speed work with them, you know, just because they're going to get exposed to it at practice. They're going to have a lot of those reps already. So the war dog guys, they may get some of that. They'll get um, in the weight room and do a little more volume. They're uh, training an extra day during the week. Um, and we're really just trying to develop them you know, more physically that athletic uh, performance component. we got guys that are, you know, maybe underweight and you put on lean body mass. we got guys that are overweight and you lose, you know, some, some fat and get in uh, football shape, get in football, get into the position to actually be able to get on the field and contribute the next year. So we're really just focusing on each individual deficiency there and, and helping them. And then stage two and stage three, those are our more advanced guys. Stage two is basically like our second year and some of our third year guys um, and possibly even fourth year guys if they're not really – if they haven't seen the uh, improvement we're looking for and they're doing uh, a little bit more advanced, but still a lot of basic stuff, you know, in the weight room, the weight room is a complement to the field. So on the field, we're doing our speed work. We're doing our multi-directional work. Um, you know, we got to hit those things. we got to prepare them for practice. we got to prepare them for what they're going to be exposed to in the game. But in the weight room, we're doing a little bit more advanced work than stage one, um, getting them stronger. We're working power, explosiveness. Uh, where the stage one guys are really just kind of, you know, developing working techniques, still uh, developing muscle mass. We already said it, higher volume. And then stage three is even less volume. So now we're getting into uh, the MED principle, minimum effective dose. We're doing lower volume. Uh, we're using more of the chains and bands, accommodating resistance. We'll get out some technology, tenno units. We'll track bar speed and auto-regulate there. We'll do just a couple more advanced movements that the stage one and stage two haven't been exposed to. Um, and that's kind of, that was like your big question, you know, how do we slow cook them? Well, we're progressing them, you know, they're getting exposed at each of these stages as they progress through their time at Auburn uh, to different movements, to more advanced movements, to different type of training uh, sets and rep schemes, volume. Uh, they're getting exposed to all these different stimuluses that way that they can make that change and progress, you know, and then our most advanced program is stage four and uh, they're doing even more advanced stuff. And we'll have only a couple guys in that each year. Sometimes we'll have, you know, maybe five or six other times, maybe it's only one or two. And that's all just, uh, you know, coaches call on that. So we'll talk as a staff and figure out where guys need to be, you know, and we'll look at their numbers, their testing data. And, uh, you know, there's some, there's, there's a little bit of a standard, like where they need to be in order to progress. But sometimes guys, you know, we'll, we'll bump them up if we feel like they need that different stimulus. Right. So that's how we do it in the weight room. And then I just said on the field, same deal guys as they advance in these stage systems they'll be exposed to different uh speed training as well different types of volume uh distances on that but uh yeah that's that's the main components there I love kind of that progression because it, I talk a lot about trying to build like that, that little bit of a human foundation or just some movement foundation first before we're starting to throw like those bands and chains. Cause you'll see a lot of times uh, a kid that doesn't have any of that foundation. They're throwing bands and chains on their bar already and they're just continuing to try and push. And then there's never any way to push them when they could get so much better at just like something so simple like that push up that you mentioned, like that road that they mentioned. And a lot of guys that can't do those things and they're trying to skip a lot of the steps and skipping the steps never really lasts. Like it, it always comes up somewhere down the line. Yep. And that was me. I lived it. I was getting too advanced too early. I didn't need all that stuff when I was younger, but I was doing it cause it was fun. And you know, I thought I'd be 
you know, the next Adrian Peterson, if I, I'd be elite level, if I just do this type of training that they were doing, just because they're doing it doesn't mean I should do it. You know, there is a progression to things. And I think that's really important. So I'm an example for these guys learning the hard way through injuries. And I, that's just one way to look at it for me. I guess I've uh, learned the hard way. And now I see uh, this as a way to do it. And uh, it works pretty well. So and I'm, I'm interested in you, you had these four stages, but she also mentioned like you, you have an athlete that needs to put on weight. You have an athlete that needs to lose weight. You have athletes that have some mobility deficiencies that you're coming up with the FMS stuff. How are you with 100 football guys running into the weight room? Like, how are you managing some of this individualized programming while keeping it within a system while keeping it? You, you have a couple coaches for 100 football guys. Like, how do you manage that? Yeah, great question, Austin. So we, uh, are, I've already said it, we're very fortunate to have an all-star staff and uh, we have six coaches on our staff. So we're able to, well, seven actually, we had an intern, but we uh, are able to spread out and each have different responsibilities. And so coach Russell does an amazing job of giving us a lot of autonomy. He gives us a lot of responsibilities and uh, lets us kind of do our thing. So uh, coach Russell will do the programming for certain stages and, and I'll do uh, programming for one of the stages and uh, coach can will do maybe the speed work for a different stage. And so because they did those programming, they'll take that group for the, for the training session. Right. And then throughout the day, you know, in season is a little bit tricky because they have so many classes and stuff. So we have to work around that but we have different groups. We don't all have a, we don't have a hundred athletes or 120 all come in at one time. Our weight room's not big enough. First of all, for that, we won't get anything done. Um, and then also, yeah, we got seven coaches on step, uh, working all together, but seven coaches for 120, that's not smart either. You know, you put yourself at risk for not being able to hold them to the standard that we desire. So we want a lower coach to athlete ratio. So what we do is we put them in the groups of about 30 or less, you know, we, we separate the responsibilities where I may be taking one group coach, one of the other coaches to take another group, you know, coach Russell's at this area. We just kind of space it out. So everybody kind of is, we, we just meet as a staff as well, make sure everybody's on the same page of what they're doing, what their responsibilities are, who they're coaching, um, where they're at, at what time. And so that's how we do it. But it all comes down to that chemistry as a staff, I guess. Um, and, and also just being locked in and being very organized because it's like we talk about when we train the players, you know, we want to be detailed. Uh, we want to be, you know, focused, you know, we want to bring great energy and be enthusiastic. We have to do that as a staff too. So we got to be organized, you know, we got to be focused. We got to be detailed and locked in. Uh, you got to be precise. So, and that takes preparation. So we'll meet as a staff and go over everything and just make sure everyone's on the same page, what they're doing, where they're at. And then you have, uh, you, you, you have these groups. Is it, Uh, so let's say you're leading group zero, uh, and there's uh, one kid in the group zero that needs to lose weight. One kid in group zero that needs to gain weight. Are they in the same group in that aspect? Or is it, they, you notice those two, you're in charge of group zero. You're giving one athlete something different than the other athlete. Like what, what's kind of your process there specifically? Yeah. So, so we'll call them like our high needs guys. If we got a guy that's like extremely underweight and needs muscle mass and he's a freshman, and he's a long ways away from playing, right? And uh, maybe he's played D-line, he weighs 220 or something like that. Um, we've seen it, or O-line, he weighs like 270, and he's, you know, he's trying to progress, he needs to gain weight. Yeah, they'll do a little bit different type of uh, program than the rest of the guys. They may have uh, extra sets or a different uh, movement that's going to be more beneficial for uh, hypertrophy and muscle gain. So, 
yeah, since they're doing a different movement and a different exercise, we have to make sure that someone else is coaching them on that. Right. And what we'll do is if we got two or three of those guys, we'll put them together on a rack, we'll put them in the same area and uh, that allows them to work together because they're, you know, reaching, they're working towards the same goal. And then the rest of the guys are being coached by the other coaches um, on what they're doing. But if we're doing, if we had that situation where it was like a guy getting extra work, doing extra volume for that situation, um, you know, they're still doing the same type of training. It's like if we're on a lower body emphasis in the weight room, everybody else is doing lower body emphasis as well. They just may be doing something a little bit different, just a little tweak to it. And then for weight loss, uh, that's pretty simple. You know, that's, that's more like overtime coming in for extra, um, getting that extra work there. So. No, I love that because that's one of the, one of the biggest questions I get myself. So I love trying to bring it up with other coaches that have the whole football team is like, how do you, how do you make individualized changes? And I love that it's, it's systematic, like it's individualized, but it's also systematic to where it's not just, you have 15 different athletes doing 15 different things. We're still trying to keep it in a system. We're still trying to keep it work with what we're trying to do with the culture, with everything that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. You know, it, it could be control, controlled chaos. I guess you could say like we got a lot going on in one group. We may have uh, two guys in stage four on two of the, or uh, on one of the racks, you know, the, cause our, our weight room is set up. We got eight racks in the front and we got eight racks in the back. We do a lot of, uh, we usually start at the racks with our movements, whatever it may be, if we're cleaning or if we're squatting or benching, whatever it is. Um, so we're spaced out that way. And so the coaches will be spread out around the racks we may have stage four in there, stage three, stage two. And then, uh, we may even have like stage two progressive guys, which are um, more like our walk on guys that are second year. And so they may not get a lot of reps the second, that second year, or even a red shirt player, um, you know, second year red shirt player or something like that, that needs that extra volume, just a little bit off and needs to progress even more. Um, so they're not, they're on a different training plan as well. So right there, you got four different programs going at once. Maybe they're all doing similar emphasis, but totally different exercises, you know, that different stimulus need or different volumes or intensities. So the coaches have to be, as coaches, we have to be organized. You know, we have to know what we're doing and uh, we have to just space it out. But at other times, you know, everybody in the, in the weight room or on the field is doing the exact same thing. Like when stage zero's in there or a war dog group, pretty much it's all war dogs. You know, it's stage one guys all doing the same program. And the reason for that, you know, is we don't want a bunch of different stages in there and coaches having to, you know, disperse to different locations and be elsewhere because that takes away from that young, you know, foundational uh, athlete, the athlete that's working on the foundational movements that really needs that coaching. Um, Cause you know, the stage four guys, they're advanced. They can almost train themselves um, cause they've been in the program for a while and they know what they're doing, you know, they're educated um, and they're already in a different stage of life, different stage athletically, stage one guys, stage zero guys, they need all the coaching they can get, right? So we make sure that we, in that situation, it's all stage one or it's all stage zero for the most part. And it's all hands on deck. All seven of us coaches are working together, coaching them up. You know, we're, like I said, I keep saying it, we're, we're trying to be organized. We're trying to be focused, you know, uh, extreme emphasis on technique and then holding them to the standard that we desire. I love that. That's awesome. I love the whole setup of it. Let's uh, transition to our rapid fire round now. And these are kind of the questions that I ask all of my guests and they're kind of selfish questions on my part, just because I love listening to the, the answers from the guests. But the first one, and you, you already mentioned one of them, but what are kind of your favorite books, books you think listeners can really get a lot out of? Yeah. So for books, um, I'm, I'm a book junkie. I, uh, I kind of, uh, obsessed with it when I got to Auburn, I wanted to read everything that the other coaches already known. So I read as much as I could, but, uh, I really got into, uh, the leadership and culture books like legacy. That's probably one of my favorite books when it comes to a team and culture, 
I just love everything about it. You know, the, the humility of, of the players and putting the team over yourself, leaving the Jersey in a better place, you know, leaving that legacy, doing things the right way. Like I love everything about that book legacy. So that's probably one of my favorite books of all time. So one of the things also with, when it comes to books is I like to split them up into different categories and the same when it comes to setting goals, I got spiritual goals. I got, um, you know, our team goals and, and, uh, just coaching goals. I got life goals and then financial goals as well. And then, uh, when it comes to books too. So I'm reading all four of those categories. And then the fifth one would be strength and conditioning. I think that's important to continue to educate yourself and learn as a coach. So, uh, when it comes to that spiritually, the best book ever, in my opinion, is purpose driven life by Rick Warren. It was life changing for me. I didn't get into it too much with too much detail about my background, like with the injuries and stuff. But when I was going through uh, a tough time, I read that book and, um, it changed everything for me. It changed my outlook on life. It, it uh, made me realize that God had a different calling for my life and um, he had a purpose that he had already planned for me and that it was, it wasn't being a football player. It wasn't being a baseball player. It was doing something different. It was helping others, you know, and that's what life's about. It's about helping others. It's about, um, for me, it's about being the best coach I can possibly be. It's about being the best husband I can possibly be. So that book changed my life completely. Um, and to add to that the book of Proverbs as well, you know, my life quote is Proverbs 16, nine, you know, we make our plans or, or what <laughs> I messed it up. So we may, we may, we may determine our plans, but God determines the steps. So for me, I had plans of, you know, being this football player, but God had other plans. You know, he took me through these adversities and these uh, challenges that all set me up to be a coach. And I'll tell you what, I love it. I love everything about being a coach. I'm literally living my dream job right now. I'm living my dream life. I couldn't imagine a better situation. Maybe that's the Pete Carroll in me, the eternal optimist. Like everything's great. You know, it don't matter what's going on. Bad things are happening. All right, we're moving on. We're finding ways to help others. We're loving others. You know, if we get fired or if we lose every single game, it's all part of the plan. You know, that's maybe that's that. But I think the book of Proverbs right there and, and that quote in particular uh, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. Uh, Legacy, I already said that. That's a great book. Uh, Life book, Making the Big Time Where You're At. Um, I don't know if you've read that, but Frosty, Frosty Westring. If you haven't read that, read it. That's another life-changing book. It's about just, you know, your mindset. And, uh, and for me, coaching, it's about being where your feet are. It's about making the big time where you are. And I read that. Coach Jones, again, another coach, he's the one that put me on that when I was an intern. Again, it was life-changing as a coach. And then uh, strength and conditioning, I would say juggernaut. Juggernaut training principles, scientific principles of training, uh, strength training in particular. That book was amazing. Um, very simple, very well explained. And uh, there's some really good stuff in there about, you know, just volume accumulation. It's a uh, constant methods, things that I started implementing in my own training and some of the players programming standpoint, that was really good. But uh, the main thing is just, you know, with the emphasis, whether it's specificity, what you're training for, um, overloading principle, all that stuff. I just soaked that up. I really loved it. And then Franz Bosch has a good one too. Totally different, but uh, strength and coordination for sport. That's another really good one. And then uh, one more, actually, Martin Rooney put me on this when I was a GA. He came in and uh, spoke to us just kind of randomly one day. He was doing a speech at the rec center and he was talking to us and he was looking at some of our books. I said, man, you guys got a lot of books. Uh, you guys ever read financial books? We we're like, ah, you know, some of us like, yeah, kind of. He's like, that's the biggest thing, man. You guys got to read. You got you to educate yourself on finances. You got to set yourself up because as a coach, this is a, you know, it's an unstable market. You know, you never know when your last day is as a coach at this level, maybe at a high level D1 or the NFL. 
So you got to put those, those safeguards in place as a coach. That way you don't have to get out of it. And I just, that's, that's really stuck with me since he told us that and uh, how big of an impact that had on him. So Dave Ramsey, you know, setting up stuff like that, having that emergency fund, having a plan in place, investing anything um, that can help you out financially. I think that's uh, that's going to be really good as well from a book standpoint. Boom. You had a full, uh, full, um, full spectrum of books there that you, everything that any coach could want there. I got some good ones written down. I'll tell you what, I'm passionate about learning and reading. Um, everybody that I know, they know that I, I'm a little bit obsessive when it comes to reading. I've, uh, my library has gotten too big. So that's another good one right there. And I, I try and tell everybody this, get yourself a library card. It'll save you a lot of money from that financial standpoint. And, uh, it'll also help with your, you know, that essentialism component of, you know, being a minimalist and not having an overload of books in your house. I know my wife appreciates me getting rid of a bunch and getting that library card. <laughs> I love it. And then uh, being a reader is a good obsession to have compared to a lot of other obsessions out there. Yeah, I suppose it could be worse, right? <laughs> yeah. And then the next question is, and this is kind of what got you on the podcast, but who's a guest that you think we should have on that can uh, bring us down some of these rabbit holes and open uh, listeners to some new experiences? Yeah. So, uh, I've, I've said his name a few times already. Jeff Jones, one of the biggest mentors in my life. Um, he kind of changed the way I coach completely, you know, the way I looked at coaching. Um, he, uh, I just, I just love his passion for coaching. He's a great communicator. He truly values relationships. And that's where I learned that, you know, just seeing him and the way he interacted with the athletes and, uh, how he was able to change lives when he was here at Auburn. And he's just done so much for me as well. Um, he's a great coach. He's extremely knowledgeable. Uh, just a little bit about him. He was at Auburn. He went back to Iowa. Like I said, he was the head strength coach at App State. And now he's back at Iowa again, uh, killing it at high school level. And um, you would think he'd be like a head strength coach at major D1 school. Well, it's it's about his priorities and what he values most in life. And that's his family. And he truly lives it and models it. And it just is a great example for me um, as a coach, you know, as a husband and one day in the future as a father. Um, he's one of my best friends. I really look up to him a lot. And I think he'd be an amazing guest. He's smart, man. He'll, uh, he'll share some, he'll, you'll be able to get down some rabbit holes with him. That's for sure. Heck yeah. We'll check it out with him for sure. Then uh, yep. ne next kind of question. And, and this is, this is one of my favorites for the guests, but what's kind of next for you? Maybe, maybe it's within the next year, next five years, but what's kind of that next big goal that you're reaching for? Oh man. Uh, I told you about frosty, man. I'm just trying to be where my feet are and make a big time right here at Auburn. I'm a strength coach at Auburn, assistant strength coach. That's my focus right now. That's what's next for me is this season. It's about um, our, our mission as a staff is the relentless pursuit of player development and help them become prepared for life. So I'm just trying to put everything I can into this team right now and help these players that are here. And I'm also trying to be the best husband I can be to my wife and uh, love her up. And uh, she has something special going on here at Auburn right now. Uh, a new job opportunity that she just embarked on about a year ago. And I'm excited for her. She's loving it. And so uh, I'm not, I'm not out there chasing anything right now. I have goals of being a head strength coach. When that opportunity comes, we'll cross it if it does, you know, but that's all part of God's plan. Right? You don't get a strength, a head strength job just by chance, right? Uh, first, you got to put in the work at the place you're at. And a lot of times it comes from the success at that program. So if you're not, if you're focused on somewhere else or looking, looking elsewhere, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice. So right now I'm just trying to be the best husband, the best coach I can possibly be right here at Auburn. And best uh, father to the dogs that you have that have been quiet this whole time. Hey, you're right about that. They just ate and they are knocked out sleeping on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering about that. You mentioned before that they were going to be barking and I haven't heard them yet. 
Oh, they are knocked out. <laughs> I love that. All right. So next question. And this is kind of, I think, I think you're going to crush this one, but what, what do you kind of want your legacy to be when you, when you're on your deathbed, when all of this, uh, Auburn stuff is over, all the coaching stuff is over. Like what, what do you really want people to say about you? As far as the legacy goes, I think I want people to say that I lived a faith filled life. And when I say faith, um, first and foremost, that I put God first in my life and I tried to model my behavior that way. But my core principles, you know, I talked a lot about coaching today, but, um, just in life, I, uh, you know, I, I developed an acronym called FEE, right? And I kind of stole it from JJ Watt a little bit. I think he said something about like success is not free every day. You got to pay the fee. So I took that and I created the acronym FEE. F is for faith. E is for enthusiasm. And then the second E is effort. And that is my core principles as a man and as a human, right? Not just as a coach. And so faith is fortitude, attitude, integrity, trust, and humility, humility. All right. Those are the values that I value most. And I want to make sure that people see that from me. I want them to uh, realize that I was trying to be the best human, the best person I can be. I put relationships first. Um, I wasn't about myself. That's, that's the main thing I want right there. And then enthusiasm, we talked about that. Every, nothing you know special happened without enthusiasm, without that passion and an effort uh, that was instilled with me or in me when I was young, you know, on the farm, grinding with my dad, working with the cows, working in the, in the field. Uh, that effort has always been there, but it's important not to get complacent. Things are great. I already told you, I'm living my dream job. I'm living my dream life. Everything is great right now at Auburn. Can't get complacent, man. Can't get complacent. You got to put it in every single day. You got to pay the fee every single day in order to achieve that success and to impact lives and help others. So that's what I want to be remembered for, man. Relationships first, people first, uh, making an impact, and then just living those principles. That's freaking awesome. I love that. And then the last question of the podcast, we're almost through. It, it's your, your billboard message is somebody that's in that valley. And, and for you, maybe that's somebody that has that injury is, is kind of at that crossroads in life of they thought they're going to be that star. And now, now they have this injury and they're stuck in this spot, but kind of your billboard message to make sure they keep going, make sure they're not giving up in that moment. Man, you say it a lot. Keep, keep chopping, man. Keep chopping. I think that's great. Um, but with that being said, for me, it's a, uh, it's a quote from Proverbs. It's that, it's that verse Proverbs 16, nine, like it's all part of the plan. Trust the process, trust the plan. Um, it's just an opportunity to grow and to get better. The struggle is temporary. It's just temporary, man. It's going to get better and it's going to make you better. Like you're going to grow from this. You know, the discomfort is temporary. Just like when you're training, it's hard. It hurts, but you're going to grow. You're going to get stronger. You're going to become a better person and it's going to set you up for what God had planned for you all along. Right. He had already determined the steps of your path. That's my message. It's freaking awesome, Coach. Coach, this is this was a blast. We we made it all the way through, and I I think the listeners are going to get a ton out of this. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it, Austin. It was a good time. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys, for listening. Keep chopping wood.